Welcome data enthusiasts. My name is Joseph, co-founder of Zuma Recruitment, the consultancy focused 100% on data tech professionals in and around Berlin. And this is our podcast, Data for Good, connecting you with all things data. And today I am very pleased to be joined finally by Enrica Max. Enrica is Interim Head of Advanced Analytics and Data Science at Delivery Hero in Berlin, of course. Enrica, how are you today? Pretty good. Uh, spring is coming and uh, good to be here today. I can see. I, I like your, uh, your background with the sun shining through and very leafy and green. Yeah, I planted some trees for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Around 30 minutes. A, a lot to get through, I think. This is a big, meaty topic. And today, I understand we are to talk about navigating the risks or uncertainties of delivering data science projects in corporate or in a corporate environment. Could you introduce this for us? What, what will we be discussing today? What's important to you? For sure. So um, perhaps what's helpful is uh, just a little bit of context on, on you know, my, my team and my role and why this mm. topic's been accompanying me for, for a while now. Um, so I'm currently leading a, um, a mixed data team with some engineers, data scientists and analysts and our um, main mission is to serve um, a team called the International Markets Team at um, Delivery Hero that um, is essentially like an in-house um, consulting team that is ultimately accountable for our global performance management and our path to profitability and sustainable growth. And um it's a very very fast-paced environment and it's an environment where our data team it doesn't necessarily you know is assigned to one single function like marketing or, or sales um but we sort of we mold with how the business moves and adjust to the needs and that's often very very fast-paced um nevertheless we are a, a data science team and things in data science don't always move that fast and there's an incredible amount of uncertainty to deal with. So we are constantly um, faced with this uh, trade-off and pressure to you know, deliver value and um, do magic with the data, but at the same time, you know, ensure that um, we're putting our skills to use in the right way. And we are also doing our due diligence of you know, highlighting long-term investments in um, data science use cases that you know, might bear some risks and costs, but that can really have a bigger impact than maybe, you know, the, the quicker turnarounds. So mm. um, that's a little bit, I think, what we want to look at more closely today, how to navigate that trade-off. Super. That would be great to go into. I think that would be helpful for the likes of team leaders and even business leaders um, across organizations that are adopting data science projects or data science delivered through data science projects. I think it'd be good to also include the individual contributors, the scientists, the engineers, and the analysts, and how these risks affect them as well. Uh, and it might be something for, for these folks who are listening and watching 
for them to be able to signpost when they're introduced to new projects. Um, you know, things, things for them to navigate and to be aware of. Okay, so really high level, um, to further put this into context, what, what might some of those risks be in starting uh, data science projects? For sure. So I think there's there's a couple, uh, maybe three one main ones I can think of that that we have encountered um, coming from our experience as a team. So maybe the biggest one is is just a general a resource risk. I would summarize it. Uh, data science experts are are, are costly are costly to maintain um, in a in a company, and they also need to alongside delivering make a continuous investment in you know keeping their skills up to date and staying on top of you know, latest developments, updates, um, new tooling, um, et cetera. And um, perhaps linked to that, I think there's this risk of the opportunity costs. So you know, we might have project um, B that has very high potential returns, but um, you know, if it fails, it might have been wiser to invest in project A that maybe has lower but, but safer returns. Um, and then a third area I have observed is this uh, risk of, of losing trust. Um, so I think there are tons of situations where a data science project that has seen a lot of investment and in, in time, maybe, maybe money, um, fails because there are data quality limitations or um, operational limitations or changes in the environment, essentially factors that are beyond control. But if there isn't enough communication and awareness building around it, especially with the business stakeholders that at the end of the day depend on your products or we're counting on you, it could be perceived as you know a competence issue um, on part of the team. Um, and so I think building that trust and maintaining it through communication and education is uh, really important. Excellent, okay. So the trust risks, the resourcing risks, and the opportunity costs, opportunity cost risks. Okay, let's look at it from, let's look at the project from the first stage, any, any given project. If we are to consider resourcing opportunity cost and, and building and ensuring trust, firstly, where would you take your project scopes from or, or business casing from? Mm -hmm. You know, with a view to thinking about identifying those risks really are really early on. Yeah, there's numerous factors that usually sort of sort of add up in our, our calculation of which project do do we take on. Um, as I mentioned, we're very much a uh, a team that has to, to some extent, go with the flow of the business and the big topics that come up. And um, so there's just, um, you know, an endless amount of, of, of use cases that we could could be working on, um, which I think is a bit different maybe from having a clear function assigned. But mm -hmm. um, so generally, I think there's the sort of the, the timeline dimension of it. How, how quickly do we need to reach um, a conclusion on this topic? Is, is something on fire? Then it's very, much more likely that you know, it ends up with the BI analytics team. Um, maybe the, the work you can do is not as conclusive or, or deep or you know, 
statistically clean, let's say, but sometimes that's just what we face in day-to-day business. Then I think the topics that we do tend to go for or select in this process of, of scoping um, are the ones that have potential to be scaled. Um, we, in our case, operate in lots of different markets. So to some extent, the potential for generalizability and impact um, and relevance across these markets is really important. Um, another one is um, the data maturity. Um, so basically, what is the the data resource that we can work with? Um, in the past, sometimes you know we've jumped at very fresh services or businesses we've launched and said, "Hey, can we um, do some modeling around this?" Um, but the truth was, um, even even the you know the data cleanliness wasn't where it needed to be. It wasn't a priority um, operationally yet. Um, so we weren't able to go for that. So some data maturity, scalability, um, and then a third factor is, especially um, in large or distributed organizations where you work with you know teams across different markets, um, I think an openness for collaboration and a shared consensus that this topic matters among business stakeholders, um, potentially local teams, um, is really, really important. So yeah, we've had use cases where we're really excited, but we realized that, um, you know, we're not aligned on, is this a priority? And then you don't have the conversation that you need in the process of building a POC, um, that is required for, for the project to have a chance to succeed. So taken into account all these factors, is there do you communicate at the very beginning like like a, a risk validation with the um with the business unit manager you're working with you know they give you the business case they talk about the problem statement what they need to achieve and then you identify the risks and communicate them communicate that back with them does it look something like this or could you show me what it might look like that kind of early stage um, risk mitigation, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say we didn't used to do this so thoroughly, but we sort of grown in the extent to which we try to do our due diligence in these early stages because it can save a lot of time later on. So um, I would say if, if you know, there's a, as a challenge brought to us um, from, from the business side, um, the first is really doing collecting, collecting all kinds of information. So mapping out who are the relevant stakeholders who hold um, business expertise and understanding on this, who are the people who are currently familiar or own the data sources that we would be using. Um, and is there any pre-existing work or documentation that has been done on this topic? And even if it's not, you know, in the realm of data science, maybe it's it's just in the let's say analytics stage. Um, and uh, basically doing almost like a mapping across the organization of who holds some pre-existing knowledge on this topic. Um, that's really important because I think actually in, even in mid-sized organizations, this risk of duplicating work um, or missing a really important factor um, early on that costs you a lot of time is very, very high. Um, and it can also really help in 
narrow down what really is the problem. Sometimes a business stakeholder approaches us and thinks they need one thing and we work together and we realize, oh, actually, you know, we need to shift shift our focus on, on something else. And it's a much more narrow and well-defined scope um, than it was initially where it was more of a, a fuzzy high-level challenge. Um, so I would say, yes, collecting information, asking a ton of questions, um, and then perhaps proactively really probing what could be the, the risks here. And that becomes easier because they are actually often recurring risks regardless of the project. Um, hmm. I can give one example here maybe. Um, hmm. where, um, we started working on a, a model where we hoped to better understand um, or better identify customers and the likelihood of customers using not only our services, but also similar services. And knowing this, we could have, you know, approached them better um, through through the app, um, how we target them. Um, and uh, yeah, basically uh, try to try to increase their loyalty towards us. And um, we generated quite a lot of excitement with relevant teams. We did do part of our due diligence, um, collecting that information, um, familiarizing ourselves with the data. Um, but we didn't actually properly communicate with the key team owning the data that was going to be um, the foundation of our model. Oh, and okay. in the process, we um, somewhat randomly learned that this data was going to be deprecated and molded into you know, a new shape. Um, and we were lucky that we we found out, you know, um, and we're able to develop a workaround, but it's a very constantly, you know, our data structures are changing and being optimized and adapted. And if you don't own the data you're using, then that should be a no brainer to, you know, be very vocal about the fact that we are now investing something in this data and, um, you know, Let's keep communication lines open if something changes. Um, so these types of risks, I think, once you know they can happen, you can easily mitigate them. Um, yeah, and I think perhaps a final one is to try to define outcomes and success criteria, which can be quite difficult um, when starting to engage in a new data science project. Um, but basically, how how high do we set the bar for you know a model zero? How good does it have to perform for us to go deeper and invest even more time? Um, what and, kind and of who do you do that with? Do you do that with the business unit manager or your team members who would ultimately deliver the project, or all of those people? Who's involved with that? Um, so I think we would basically be the team that translates what we get from the business side of, you know, what is good enough or what would be an improvement versus how we're operating now. Um, you know, we can give a little bit of input of, in a way, almost how much, you know, how much are you investing in this? You know, this was going to be one full-time data scientist working on this. Um, do you think, let's say, assuming this, this improvement, this much improvement, um, do you consider that worth it? And once we have that, we can actually, um, you know, try to translate that into um, more of the actual hard performance criteria for um, our model into, you know, accuracy, um, whatever KPI you're going to use. Um, so I would say 
we need to we need the input from the business, but we were able to translate it into the hard measurables. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, as I look back on opportunity costs, you know, what if those data scientists and analysts and engineers were working on another project where they could gain value that we can quantify or, or this project, opportunity costs or building trust um, ongoing, is there, a pro- is there an approach you might take to getting at least quick wins or early wins for the business to see the value and, and therefore uh, lessen their perception of risk? Yes, I think when it comes to risk mitigation, um, if we stay on like a one project level, um, okay. involving business stakeholders more even in the um, EDA phase. So if you do exploratory analysis, you know, as a data scientist, one might think, okay, this is just, you know, the basis of me then going into feature engineering and, and modeling. Um, and you might not realize that you're actually already creating insights that are not yet known to the organization. Um, so in a way, we've, we started creating, you know, even visuals and uh, outputs that the business can use at that stage already. And that can be even a feedback loop. You know, maybe we're seeing some surprising patterns. So we're not just, we're not ambitioning to develop, deliver a polished product to the business stakeholder. We're sort of looping them into the process and that also builds a little bit of empathy for the data science life cycle um, among people who may not, you know, be as, as connected in their day-to-day to um, more technical work. So that is that is one. Um, so that, that is to include them in the in the process. So keeping them informed, keeping them educated, revealing perhaps unknown uh, additional outcomes that also serve as value, but generally keeping them involved to kind of uh, win their empathy and, and understanding as to what you're delivering. Okay, so that's one. Awesome. Exactly. Um, I would say one is less at the project level and more at relating back to this element or risk factor of losing trust. Um, not every project is going to be a quick win or a win. Um, some will fail. And so I think thinking about your team, if there's you know more than one project that you own, ensuring that the portfolio is right. So whether you plan in sprints or, or quarterly you know, OKRs, um, basically planning a share of your time on either existing products, enhancing them that just work and that already have um, an audience um, that depends on them, um, that have proven themselves, or you know, um, going with some projects there, you feel quite confident that they can work um, to basically you know, have that portfolio of things that people can rely on that you show where you're adding value. And that's buying you maybe, you know, 30, ideal 30, 40% of your time where you can be more exploratory and have a higher risk appetite um, because you mm. have a project portfolio to fall back on. Mm. Th- that sounds to me like uh, hedging your bets, we might say in gambling mm. terms, or spreading the risk. So 
taking uh putting some focus on easier projects where you can get quicker wins and maybe did, would you show those wins to business unit managers and then you garner some support and that gives you the opportunity to take on these other riskier projects is that loosely how it works or am i wide i think it's a, you know, it's a very very good summary right okay interesting interesting Okay, good to know. And how about, so that's more short term, how about the longer term strategies that you might adopt? Mm. Yeah, that's, particularly uh, with trust. Mm, very, very good question. I think they're communicating um, wins. Sometimes we, you know, we tend to, to, to brush over them and um, move on to the next project or, you know, the next development cycle um and sometimes what was actually a very good achievement and very challenging um from a data science perspective may not be as as obvious um from the end user perspective to again ensuring that um you you take that moment to 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 really show your wins even if it might seem like oh this is this is extra time you know really articulating this uh, to the right um teams and stakeholders, um, I would say that's a really important one. Um, and then longer term, I also think it's very important to just know where to stop digging as well. Um, you know, from an emotional perspective, if you've invested an incredible amount of, of time and you have people in your team who are passionate for, um, for a project and they want it to work out, it can be very hard to find that decision moment where you also just show well, we also know where to stop. You know, we we we've identified the reasons that this isn't working, and um, we have to let it go. And I think that's part of a longer term strategy to also demonstrate that as a as a data science team, you're able to um, to have that maturity to recognize it and mm -hmm. and, and move on if necessary. Okay, super. We we focused on the opportunity cost and particularly the trust area and. Uh, building credibility through smaller wins and bigger wins or shorter term wins and longer term wins thinking about resourcing not only the risks but I want you to consider your team members because there's pressure on them uh, there's pressure in their career if if they're having to take on the risks that um product and project managers give them what what are your considerations or what do you think should be the considerations of team members um when they take on these potentially riskier projects mm -hmm. yeah it's a very good question i think quite important to not uh, overlook it also from a like a retention and team energy level and mm. really making the best of um, um your talent so I would say, um, first of all, I think people operate very differently, right? Some people really, really care about doing work where their impact will be very visible. And um, yeah, it's, it's more, it's it's sort of a, a safer bet. But then there are also people who are, or maybe also at a stage of their career, they really want to focus on skill building. So that might take mm. on a high risk project because it exposes them to, you know, new challenges um and even if it fails let's say their personal goal has been reached um but i also think that 
um, cultivating a culture where failing is part of um, of your work and normalizing that is really important and finding a almost a structured way of, of, of working with that. So um, one example is we had a project um, where we explored a data point, our user ratings, and we thought um, it was a very powerful one and it was we were going to be able to um, you know build a build a model um, where yeah it helps us really understand the customer journey and where we need to um, focus on and anyway it turned out that it was not such an impactful informative um, yeah data point and we had to eventually um, uh, yeah you could say give give up and um, what we started doing was um, we don't just let it go. We actually, you know, we create documentation, we create a reflection within the team and we, we document um, why did this fail? What did we learn in the process? Um, how are we maybe saving on, you know, future work with this um, and almost having a repository uh, around the learnings, whether or not we succeed or fail, um, because that adds value um, irrespectively. Um, and I think again, also at a personal level, making sure that each person in the team has a good mix ability to venture into new things, but also work within their comfort zone and work within parameters where we can be pretty sure that, um, we'll succeed on, you know, some projects that they, they're touching. Hmm. Okay. I take from that some, some key points. Appreciate that failure is a part of your work. Find a structure to cope with that and to manage that uh, and ensure that you're document documenting throughout to create a knowledge base, but also to be able to reflect on this, understand where the learnings have been and, and use that understanding to approach better or differently or even the same for future projects uh, and work within those parameters. I'm thinking, is it critical or is there some criticality for your team members, the data scientists, the engineers and the analysts? Should they be communicating with you, the leader, about the risks? Do they need to speak up more? Is the is the onus on them for these kind of uh, topics? Mm. I would say it's it's both ways, but absolutely particularly um more experienced data scientists um mm. i mean bring bring that ability to anticipate risks um because i briefly mentioned earlier a lot of risks are not they're not unique to one project they sort of fall into into patterns that we see across um venturing into different new yeah um models and there i would say they're one of the the best sources to listen to when it comes to the risk exercise. Um, but I also think it could also be the reverse where um, we get very excited about a use case, perhaps because the data is there, which is always a massive pain point, um, you know, the state and quality and accessibility of the data. Um, but actually the local expertise in our company, the business expertise is telling us, yeah, but we, we don't see the impact potential or, you know, we mm. see some risks because this product's actually still very much moving parts. It's going to change a lot. So um, 
the maintenance and the effort of keeping up um, with those moving parts would be way too high. So um, I would say it's it's maybe not it's not the sole responsibility of the data scientists, but it's definitely um, uh, yeah definitely needs to be consulted with just as much as um, the people who have the data operational insights and business savviness. Mm. I'm just thinking of a point that you made earlier about um, the appetite for risk of team members. Sometimes they might not mind taking on a risky project uh, that doesn't cost them anything, but could cost the business a lot of money. And they wouldn't mind doing that because they get to learn something, they get to take on skills, they get to work in certain frameworks and tools. How do you balance, as a leader, how do you balance those, those topics? Because uh, without accusing anybody, um, I'm just thinking of, of the, the average human, I might want to take on that project and, and not really consider that it's huge risk from a business perspective. How do you balance those kind of personal needs with the business needs? Very, very good question. Um, very good or very difficult? It's it's very difficult question. I can't say I I have a, a perfect answer there, but uh, yeah, it's more a, a, a human than a technical answer I can give there. It's really, I think about... Um, I think any good data scientist uh, also has to understand, you know, um, ultimately the justification for having a data science team and the need to um, sometimes go down the safe route. Um, mm -hmm. So again, I think it's about having that conversation and um, something I've done in the past is to say, you know, this quarter, we, we have these projects, we know that we can deliver on them. They're not the most exciting ones for you. They might be repeating, um, you know, and drawing the expertise you've built in the past. Um, but um, we also have this project lined up. So, you know, going into that negotiation and always making sure there's enough exciting things in the pipeline, um, but also being very direct and honest about, you know, some things just have to get done and we'll, we'll keep the balance right. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for uh, addressing or trying to answer that difficult question. Finally, as you are interim and uh, interim leader of analytics and data science, and as you progress up your own career path, I wonder what advice could you give to leaders or team leaders who are taking on this this new data science leadership role? Uh, and these responsibilities as a project leader? Mm. I think it's an indirect um, summary of some of the themes we've touched up on, but I would try to, um, yeah, succinctly um, pull it together. So I think for one, really champion the idea that failure isn't personal, it's a part of the process, maybe by even sharing your own stories of, of failing, um, also by giving recognition for people who have the courage to try and fail. Um, introducing the kind of um, failing smart practices like documenting the learnings um, involving business stakeholders closely um, so they understand the reasons for a potential failure um, or they can also just increase the chances of success 
um, then ensuring a safe distribution of, you know, safe bats, uh, daily business and exciting, but risky, um, data science ventures. And I think the final one would be really, yeah, the communication of smaller and bigger wins, um, and building empathy, um, among stakeholders you work with for the data science project life cycle. Um, I do think, you know, a lot of tech companies, um, claim to be, or are, you know, data driven. Um, and I think it's very reasonable to expect even of, um, neighboring teams and stakeholders you interact with, even if their core focus isn't on data, um, that they're building increasing awareness, um, and maybe, um, sense for, you know, the risks and opportunities. Um, so helping your team by having those conversations um, with your say key stakeholders can also really help. Mm -hmm. Maybe a final one, um, which can also help with quick wins, um, really ensuring that you build an infrastructure that allows you to iterate quickly. So simple things like ensuring you have a clean, you know, development and production setup that you can create new pipelines, new data pipelines quickly. Um, very fortunate to have a fantastic engineer on my team who, you know, um, builds abstractions that, you know, they are generalizable across projects. So we, um, we save a lot of time and we arrive at certain conclusions much more quickly. Um, and then allows team people in your team to, to take risks, um, yeah, with a lighter heart. Shout out to Enrique's, uh, superstar engineer there. Yes. Actually. Um, <laughs> um, th that final one around quick wins, making sure that you have an infrastructure to iterate quickly, that, that sounds like not just a, a, um, a method to get quick wins, but to ensure that there's stability and foundation to keep producing um, projects with great outcomes. So, yeah. I, I would take that very seriously rather than just uh, the short term and the, the, the quick wins. Okay. Um, would you also recommend that data scientists, analysts and, analysts and engineers, they should be communicating those wins more and as much as possible? Is, is you know, would it be helpful as... Uh, for you as a leader who can't see everything, would it be extra helpful if they are to, hey guys, I really need you to tell me when you, you know, you've done something great or we've uh, found another piece of information that would be valuable to the team. Should they, would you really encourage them to, to communicate every little win for you and the team? Uh, to me, I would say, uh... Sure, I mean, it also depends on, you know, the intensity, the, the scope of your team and how, how, how close you can keep the communication lines there. But um, what I would say is, I, I think about this trade-off. So I think good communication um, with, you know, um, other teams, it takes time, especially if they're non-technical teams, you need to translate what you've done into something that has meaning to them. Um, so... I do think it's very, very important um, that, you know, any data role, they, there's an ability and you build that ability to to do that. At the same time, I recognize it takes time. So, you know, sharing almost like a live stream of, of small wins um, 
could could just create noise. But I would say um, sharing it within within the team that you collaborate with day to day, and then maybe even helping each other identify. Well, yeah, we think this is a milestone. This is a good moment in the process to, um, yeah, to you know sp spread spread the news about this um, is is definitely helpful. And where I can, I definitely cut myself out as the middle person. I think it's very very useful um, if. The people who do the work, you know, they're able to share their wins directly and identify when that's useful stuff mm. in the process. Mm. Yeah, to show some um, uh, humility as a leader by letting the um, individual contributors come forward. Okay. Enrica, that's all we've got time for. Thank you uh, so much for sharing lots of useful information about navigating the risks of delivering data science projects. I think that'd be super helpful for team leaders, um, more senior data leaders, but also uh, team members. So big help. Thanks so much for that today. Thank you, Joseph. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. All right. And for any viewers or listeners, we'll see you all next time.